This is EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Hey, friends. Welcome to EIG Community Connection. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. In my role, I have the privilege of meeting awesome people doing awesome things in the community. Our guests talk about their purpose and their passion, which not only educates our listeners, but it gives them an idea of how they might want to get involved with the organization or share some of the resources. We like to share how people are having an impact in the community, and the difference is the why. Today, we're going to be touching on topics that happen every day in our schools, Things like bullying, boredom, anxiety, fear, depression, failing grades. Unfortunately, this is all a reality. We're going to be talking with people from organizations that have come up with a proven solution to this problem. My first guests are from Playworks, Inc. of Wisconsin. Welcome to Deb Lukovich, who is the executive director, and PJ Deaver, the program director. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for having us. Now, anything that has the word play in it intrigues me. Uh, If you ask me what my favorite thing was in grade school, I would definitely have said recess. I loved being outside, or maybe I should say I loved being outside of the classroom, right? Playing some sort of sport or doing some high-energy activity. You know, I was one of those kids who was always moving and talking. I remember one year, I think it was sixth grade, the teacher gave demerits for talking in class. And my girlfriend got nine demerits one week, and she was grounded for that whole week. Mm. I got 57. (laughs) And my parents just shook their heads. They gave me a good lecture, of course, on respect and paying attention, but I never did get grounded. But I was bored in the classroom. You know, I was not the one to hunker down and get down to business. I wasn't that kind of a learner. I needed large motor skill or gross motor activity. I was a room mom also in the kids, in my kids' classes for many years. And there was such a vast difference on how children learned. Mm -hmm. The few times I volunteered out on the playground, I can probably count them on one hand because if I wasn't playing with the kids, which I really enjoyed doing, I acted as a referee, which I did not like. So lots of things, good and bad, happen on those Mm -hmm. playgrounds. So Deb and PJ, we know that playtime is so critical to a child's healthy development and has actually been recognized by the American Academy of Pediatrics as an essential part of children's social, emotional, cognitive, and physical well-being. So how does PlayWorks leverage the power of play? Great. Uh, At PlayWorks, we believe that uh, play is essential to every single school day. Um, PlayWorks is trying to infuse play throughout the school day. Uh, We have three levels to our impact. Uh, PlayWorks is trying to transform the overall school climate and making sure kids feel safe and included while they're at school and that they can navigate the playground in a positive way. So they're going to need tools, they're going to need systems, and they're going to need a culture through which to operate in a successful way. We also provide kids with more opportunities uh, to learn skills and practice play. So all those skills that you would need to be successful on the playground, who's giving you the opportunity to learn some of them, practice them, and then coach you on the implementation of those skills. So we try to provide schools and kids with that opportunity. Additionally, we're trying to ensure that kids have positive role models on the playground That's as well. That's really important. Yeah, yeah. So, so what was it that made this mission of PlayWorks speak to you personally? My experience on the playground as a kid was a powerful one for me personally. That in itself was 
because I was a bully on the playground. Uh, I no, spent PJ really. Yeah, I did. I spent most. Yeah, I spent most of my time on the playground looking for opportunities to exert my power in situations so that I felt meaningful out on the playground. So in games, uh, trying to be the captain of the game uh, to select other students and let them know where they fell in the pecking order on the playground or letting kids know when they were not good at something by using disparaging language towards those students. And it made myself and my friend group feel better because of that. So with that, um, I you know grew to gain significance from that. And it took a long time for me to really evaluate that process. I took it all the way through high school. And, you know, at one point I just realized that, you know, I've spent most of my life pushing people down to push myself up. Mm-hmm. Um, and eventually I learned that to create a stronger community, we needed to invite people in, give them an opportunity to participate so they could benefit from their skills um, as well as uh, our own. Hmm. And Deb, what about you? And it's interesting because I've PJ and I now have been working together for three years. He's been at Playworks for almost eight. I just got there three years ago. And I didn't know this about PJ as we were working together. But as I've come to know this more personal part of PJ's story, um, I see where it uh, plays out. And I would say one of the things that's most um, powerful and noticeable about PJ is his sense of wanting to include. So being inclusive. Mm -hmm. And as I hear his personal story, that helps me make sense of how important it is for him wherever he goes, whether it's implementing Playworks programming or how he manages and leads his large program team or even how he's out in the community. Exclusivity we talked about in mm-hmm. previous shows how important that whole concept is. Mm-hmm. So, so what about you growing up? Was there a connection there for you, Deb? Yeah, and again, sometimes you don't go back and realize how your um, childhood experiences end up contributing to where your jobs go, where your attention goes in relationships and the friends that you form and the places that you work, your vocation. And so um, when I was uh, looking for a new opportunity three years ago, Playworks uh, job description just magically appeared in my inbox through LinkedIn. I was like, what is this? It didn't magically appear. There was (laughs) divine intervention. Yeah, exactly. Divine intervention. Absolutely. I was looking to sort of transition from consulting and get a break. And I'm, and I was like, okay, where, who's going to hire a consultant? Um, And boom, there was this job description and there was something intriguing about it. And at the same time, I was taking a a course and looking at vocation and my life mission in a different lens. And we were considering our earliest childhood memories and how that sometimes guides us in our vocation. And my earliest childhood memories can kind of fall in two buckets. One is the bucket of uh, accumulation of bully, being bullied, all those experiences and that feeling of where were the adults to protect me and um, how helpless I felt. And I was also a quiet good girl, so no one really knew that I w- had a lot of anxiety during the day. The other bucket of memories, though, that's interesting and in how this relates to Playworks is that I have this memory of hanging out at one corner of the school around a big old tree, and it's where we played marbles. So I'm old enough that, you know, I don't know if uh, some of your listeners played marbles. And, oh, and, I, yes. and I was good at it, and it was my safe place. 
So fast forward to three years ago, um, I'm interviewing for this position. And part of the interview is to go visit a school. And guess what? It is my elementary school, Allen Field, MPS Mm. Elementary School. And I was like, wow, okay, I haven't been here since fourth grade. And I just noticed the difference in the energy immediately. And it's been a playwork school for about four years. So I came to sort of understand all this is, yes, I had this awful experience, but what was it about that tree and marbles? And that is um, plays out in our Playworks programming in that that was a safe place where we all played by the same rules. We knew the rules. And so really anyone could get included because we it was open and we knew the rules. So mm-hmm. um, very much... Um, Playworks is a really important part of my journey, and it's really helped me to even go back and revisit some things and put it all in context. So you're saying we are supposed to look back to some experiences in our life when we were younger just to get a clue for vocationally where we fit? So me with all my demerits, does that make any sense? (laughs) I like to talk. So am I doing the right thing here? And when you were explaining that, it got me thinking about, you know, the difference between... um, you know, uh, so one of the things we do is we help adults look at children's behavior through a different lens, right? So often we make assumptions about kids who act out versus kids who internalize. And we pay more attention to the kids who act out and we label that as negative behavior mm-hmm. when it is their way, perhaps they're extroverted, it is their way they need to interact with the outside world. And if they don't have the skills or they have the extra stressors, we, their behavior makes sense yeah. versus a kid who also is struggling like me, but outwardly seems just fine and is not really causing any problems. So we'll just assume that she's okay, feels safe, feels respected, knows how to get included that sort of way. So, um, so yeah, so you had your unique way of interacting with the world. Yeah, we're mm-hmm. all divinely created, right? right? So with with different strengths and yes. and uh, if we can find a match there of how best to use them, that's mm-hmm. that's ideal. Well, research shows that children's social and emotional skills are significant predictors of whether a child will graduate from high school, attend or graduate college and have a full-time job. So we're curious at what age does this start? We're going to take a break and we'll be back to answer that question shortly. Thanks for tuning in. This is EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I've been talking with Deb Lukovich and PJ Deaver from Playworks about how important playtime is in the life of a child. We said that social and emotional skills are significant predictors of whether a child will graduate from high school, attend college, and have a full-time job. So at what age does that actually start? Research shows that it all starts way back in kindergarten. So does that somehow tie into the saying that everything you need to be successful in life was learned in kindergarten? (laughs) What is research saying about that statistic? Sure. In kindergarten, 
this is the first opportunity kids are really having to be in a social situation with other people that are similar to them. Uh, there's a lot of kids, you get a lot of time to interact with others. And during that time, you're figuring out how to exist uh, in an environment where you're sharing information with others, you're coming to decisions together, uh, you're taking actions that benefit you and your larger community. Schools themselves have noticed this as well, that this time is where you're practicing these skills that'll help you be successful later in life. So schools are implementing a lot of new, exciting programs around wellness and uh, social and emotional learning. Um, because when students can manage conflicts better, when they can manage their emotions better, they will be more successful in the classroom overall. And are they thinking that that age group, I mean, to me, you think kindergarten, wow, they're what, five, six? Sure. And, you know, are they learning those skills? Are they able to really understand and learn them at that age? Definitely. And a lot of the skills that we're practicing at that age are building blocks for the more complex skills that we'll learn later on. Even the process of having a one-to-one, back-and-forth, A-B conversation is tricky for students. Um, and if we're not specifically talking about that, practicing those skills and focusing on it, then we're not going to be able to take the next steps as we get older. Okay. The other thing I would add to that is um, kindergartners don't need to intellectually understand that they're learning empathy, right? When we're older, we can put a name on what that concept is. And so the beautiful thing about play and why children learn so much through play is it's embodied learning. They're learning it actually by doing. And of course, research would show also that experiential and embodied learning is really important. So even in our programming, in our schools, um, MPS actually has an initiative around helping to build the social-emotional skills of children. How we align and support the teachers is the teachers are kind of teaching lessons. Um, and what we're doing is we're offering experiences where they actually live and embody the concept that they're learning about. Okay. Yeah, they, you know, there's a lot of talk in the educational circles out there about STEM, mm -hmm. you know, the science, technology, engineering, and math. Uh, you know, I do see the importance of that, but what about the soft skills that our kids should know as well? You know, I think those are really, really important. So how does PlayWorks fit into that in terms of overall education mm -hmm. reform? And it's really interesting because this, as we go out and build awareness around companies, companies are saying, we love PlayWorks because we have an a whole generation of young people who don't necessarily have what they call soft skills, the ability to um, include, to work in a team, to, you know, sort of accept differences and working together and that sort of thing, and even communicating with each other. So it's, it's really interesting that the past, let's say, two decades of focus on rigor and STEM and math and literacy and let's, like, read and make them smart, make them smart – at the detriment of music and the arts and play and the things that actually create our character, this is where that plays out. So we've had a very one-sided view of how do we best prepare our kids. And this focus on STEM and literacy, et cetera, hasn't really moved the needle on achievement. So then you have to step back and say, what is missing? And mm -hmm. when we took the arts away and movement and play and you know theater and those sorts of things, those are the things that get people, <laughs> that get kids through the intellectual part of it. So this is uh, something that we really focus on and bring to light in our schools. I was talking to uh, a mom recently, and actually this was a topic of conversation when my kids were in grade school, the amount of homework 
that they send home mm. with kids uh, is just in- increasing. And I can't remember the country. I want to say Holland, but there was another country out there that had really high numbers. They were moving the needle, as you mm-hmm. say. Um, but they hardly had any homework outside mm-hmm. of school. And play was such an integral part mm-hmm. of their learning, mm-hmm. which we, we understand is what is what Playworks mm-hmm. is all about. And, and one of the things I like to carry around with me is this brain scan. And one of the brain scans shows the impact on a child's brain size when they live under duress. So when they have a lot of extra stress or they, you know, they witness violence or they're, you know, victims of violence or they don't feel safe at school, they're not as capable of learning. And the other brain scan I like is the impact on the cognitive areas of the brain of movement. So if a child sits for 20 minutes and takes a test, or versus if they move around for 20 minutes and then take the test, the research shows they'll do better after they take the test after they've moved around. So so Playworks comes into the school, and we want to make sure that we explain properly how you uh, work with the teachers. You're not, you're kind of teaching the teachers, right? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, we've we've actually evolved our model. We've been doing this for 20 years. So we've evolved our model from more of a direct service where we come in, we're there all day long, we're really running things. And of course, we're engaging teachers because one of the uh, measures or one of the drivers of impact is in adult engagement. And some of our local research showed that when adults play with kids on the playground, conflict goes down overall during the whole school day. So that mm-hmm. engagement and rapport building with the teachers is really important. And because of that, now we've really evolved and our services now focus on empowering the teachers, training the teachers, and we're becoming known for being able to teach adults how to take the mindset of the importance of play and our systems and to be able to sustain it on their own. Oh, nice. So, and you guys do a lot of work with MPS, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and you're trying to get more out to the to the burbs. I mean, would that be a challenge for you guys? Would you say that that might be a challenge or you're... Mm-hmm. So we've been partnering with Milwaukee Public Schools locally for seven years. Okay. Over the past three years, we have been branching out a lot in southeastern Wisconsin. So when we uh, think about our close suburb neighbors in Wisconsin, you know, Waukesha, Watertown, Mequon, uh, these are all school districts that we've been engaging over the past three years, and we've seen a lot of success. So in that, we have been really branching out a lot, but we're trying to create a movement. Um, And that movement includes all of Wisconsin uh, and all of the United States. We have a goal uh, to get to 3.5 million kids in the U.S. uh, by the year 2020. We view that as a tipping point for social change, uh, and that will then tip us over to getting to the rest of the kids uh, in the U.S. Locally in Wisconsin, we are trying to get to 100,000 kids by 2020. We still have some work to do, but we're well on our way. We have a proven track record here in southeastern Wisconsin, and we're looking for uh, any school district, any parent, any student to join us uh, in this movement. And this is a national organization, right? We've, uh, we have over 20 years of experience. We've been around for a really long time. There are offices just like ours in Wisconsin in 22 other regions uh, in the U.S. Wow. Okay. So I was going to ask you, what are your goals for the future? But you kind of answered that mm-hmm. in terms of 2020. <laughs> Anything else that you would say for, for goals? I think one of the things that, well, when you talked about challenge, uh, challenges, 
our main challenge is we have more demand for our services than we have capacity. Well, that's so, a good place to be, right? Oh, absolutely. It's very Short exciting. <laughs> so we're looking to, and that's why we appreciate this opportunity, we're looking for people who want to invest in our capacity to bring this to the more schools who want. We have Waukesha School District wants every single one of their 14 elementary schools to be empowered with the Playworks mindset and systems. So does Watertown. So we, we have the demand. We just need more more partners to because we're kind of a baby organization here. We're only in our eighth year, mm-hmm. but we are serving this this year. We will um, touch over thirty six thousand kids. Wow! Yeah. So now, if we have a listener that that loves the idea of PlayWorks, uh, and this is really a cool organization, I got to say. So, so how does somebody get involved? If somebody wants to become a volunteer, mm-hmm. what would they do? I would say two things. They could go to our playworks.org slash Wisconsin website for general information. And then anyone can really be a play champion uh, and they can use our resources that are found at that website, playworks.org slash Wisconsin or on our YouTube page to start bolstering their own program at their school. Uh, Additionally, they can evaluate their recess by going online to the recess lab, which is recesslab.org. And there's a free evaluation tool there that they can use to assess the success of their recess. Uh, Any school that does that will have access to a library of information from Playworks to start uh, moving at their school independently. Wow, that's a mouthful. Mm-hmm. Assess the success of the recess. Wow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it took me a while to <laughs> get it a mouthful. to you. Mm-hmm. That's a mouthful. <laughs> and then events. Do you have anything timely coming up? Yes, we do. We have our second annual Get in the Game luncheon that is happening on May 30th uh, at um, UWM at the Student Union. And the beautiful part of it is that it happens in the middle of our annual Junior Coach Leadership Conference. So we work in exposure to programming at this luncheon. So as opposed to other luncheons where you listen to a lot of people talk, we carve out a significant point uh, part of the luncheon so attendees can go interact with about 500 junior coaches from 34 of our Playwork schools. Nice, nice. Um, contact information as far as phone numbers, Deb and PJ, can you share those, please? Sure. They can. Anybody can call me at 414-803-3229. Sure. And they can find me at 609-760-7692. Awesome. Thank you so much for being here, Deb and PJ. We just heard about a number of different ways that PlayWorks helps kids be successful in the classroom through play. Next, we're going to hear from a woman who helps kids be successful through creative arts programs. Stay tuned to learn more. You're listening to EIG Community Connection with your host, Jill Economo, on News Talk 1130 WISN. Welcome back to the EIG Community Connection. I'm your host, Jill Economo, Director of Community Outreach at Ellen Becker Investment Group. My next guest is Linda Wade, president and founder of Above the Clouds. Above the Clouds provides free, faith-based arts education and training to young people who lack fine arts exposure and success. Welcome to the show, Linda. Thank you, Jill. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. You know, when we first met, I was so intrigued by your personal story. Can you share that with us? I can. Um, I started Above the Clouds over 18 years ago. Um, I was a heart patient and I was always sick growing up, so I didn't really have a whole lot of interaction in the arts or gym or anything because I just didn't have that strength to do it. 
And um, as I became a young adult, um, the symptoms just gotten worse. And so there wasn't a whole lot for me to do. And then um, when I became a Christian, I started attending a church and I saw this lady dancing at my church. And I was like, boy, I would love to be able to do it. Now, the doctors didn't release me at that point to even work, not long dance. And so I went to the doctors and I said, you know, um, the pastor had asked me, did I want to work at the church? And I want to start studying dance. And can I do any of those? And they said, well, you know, we're going to put you on a six-month trial just to see how you're going to do. And they did. And I just went from there. So um, I started working at the church. And then I saw the dancer. And I said, oh, I would love to be able to do that. So I started studying ballet. I went to some of the, uh, Milwaukee's best ballet companies from William Raleigh Ballet Company to Milwaukee Ballet and studied for years on ballet. Um, and then in 1995, I joined a dance eternal. Kim Brenner, who was over that ministry at the time at uh, Eastbrook Church, asked me, did I want to join Dance Eternal? And then she said, out of her same breath, do you want to go to prison with me? <laughs> and you said, wait a second, what? Right, right. I said, uh, well, yeah, that sounds interesting, not knowing what I was going to get myself into. So um, we flew to Texas under Discipleship Unlimited, and we went into the women's prisons there. We were two dancers going with a, a team of people going into women's prison. So my first experience was going to death row. So they sent me to death row to dance there. Which, what a way to get started. Right? Oh, wow. it was it was an eye opening because, it, you know, how you see it on television is nothing like you see it in real life. You know, they have the words in black letters, death row written on the building on the inside as you walk in. And then you go through a succession of entries before you actually get to where the inmates are living at. Mm, and back then in 95, there was six women on death row in Texas prisons. And one of them was named Carla Faye Tucker, who um, was known as the pickaxe murderer. Um, her and her boyfriend were on drugs, and, you know, they killed to get that. And so she was there, and I was nervous. I must be honest with that. I was a little nervous. I Because they put yes. you in a little cage, and, they, and, and then if they want to come out, they come out. And so my job was to, while I was on death row, to... You know, pray with them, encourage them, but just also dance, you know, give them words of hope. And so I did. I, I did a dance. Um, and it was so funny because after I did that dance, Carla looks at me and she said, well, Linda, what do you want me to pray for you about? And I was shocked because I thought, oh, well, I thought I was coming here to right, encourage you. Right. I mean, you're on death row. <laughs> Isn't that something? It wow. was, but she really encouraged me. So, mm. you know, and in the years going back and forth to the prisons, there's 11 prison, eleven women prisons in Aceville, Texas alone. And so we go to death row, we go to SAG, we go to general population and protective custody. And I would always ask the lady, not so much about their crime, because some of them were high public, you know, crimes, but about their lifestyle. You know, what got you to this point? What happened as a child that would, you know, lead you into this path? And they would always talk about, you know, whether they were being abused at home, bad decisions they were making as teenagers. There was a lot of factors coming up. Mm -hmm. And so I was coming back from the prison ministry trip in Texas, and I know the Lord wanted me to start an arts program. I had no idea what it was going to be called, how it looked. I just know that there was something because I knew that was something that I wanted to offer the children so that they wouldn't end up in places like that. 
And I was over the clouds when we got our name above the clouds, mm-hmm. which I was so excited about because I land when we got off the plane because I was with Kim. And we got off the plane and I called my dear friend, Barb Melsheimer. And I said, Barb, I really believe the Lord wants us to start this arts program. I need your help. And we, we did. We put a whole year into it. And we started with one class at Heartlift Place, and now we're at eight locations. There's um, 20 classes throughout the city. I mean, we have children on the waiting list. We have sites on the waiting list. But the women in white, they're called the women in white. They've been with and with us this entire step because every year we go back to Texas one or twice a year, and they would always want to know what's happening with Above the Clouds, you know, mm. what's the update, you know. This is uh, something that is encouraging them because, you know, they want to let the children know that, you know what, you don't have to make the same mistake that I have made to get yeah. to this point. And so they're always excited when I, I, I just got back this morning from um, dancing there for their Easter services. We started Saturday and Sunday. And they were so excited to hear about the updates about Above the Clouds. So I was sharing with them. And it was and it was hard for them because one of the services, there was almost 300 women sitting in the hot sun on a cement floor listening to us speak, watching me dance. But the cool thing was about it, I taught them a dance. Even though they couldn't move, oh, nice. they were able to move their arms and their legs. And, you know, just, and, the, and depending on the guard will determine if the guard will let them stand up or not. And the severity of the units that we go to. Mm-hmm. A lot of the units are maximum um, security. And then we went to a place where they are entering in Woodman where they're entering in or leaving. And so we were able to dance there. And, you know, I'm looking at these ladies, and they look like you and I. You know, uh, the only difference between what they did and we did is uh, they got caught and we did. (laughs) Um, But you know what? They they look like our brothers and sisters. And Mm -hmm. so having them... They're always praying for above the clouds, and they Isn't always want to fantastic? update. Yes. Yeah. Well, we were talking with our previous <coughs> guest from Playworks about the need for playtime in a child's schedule, which in turn equates to higher success rates in the classroom and in life, I imagine, as well. So why do you think the arts are a necessary component to success in our communities? Children are so barraged by all the different negative stuff that they see, whether it's on TV, in school, in their home. And they really need an uh, avenue where they can express themselves safely. Arts is that avenue. Whether they're taking a theater class and learning how to act, or they're taking a ballet class, dancing, a modern dance, even a a martial arts class, these classes let them express themselves safely. We have an anti-bullying policy in there, and so they know that when they come into the classrooms that they're there not only to learn that medium, but to help them dream, to let them know that it doesn't matter where you come from mm-hmm. or your circumstances or your life or where you live. You know, you are a child that God has made, and we want you to be able to experience the arts in a way that you never have. That's why our classes are free to all the children. And we purposely did that so that way there's no limited. So nobody can come and say, well, I can't afford it. We mm-hmm. provide all the outfits for them from their ballet shoes to their martial arts to the modern dance, everything that they need to do to use to take that class. Because we want them to know that, you know what, it doesn't matter if you're black, white, Hispanic, young girl or young boy. This is open for, exactly. Because we have a mixture. You know, Mm -hmm. 75% of our children um, are African-American coming from some of the roughest neighborhoods in the city of Milwaukee. 
Okay. So so above the clouds, uh, you talked a little bit about some of the specific ways, um, like different arts education classes that you have. You talked about ballet and... Um, uh, Modern you know, dance, martial yeah. arts. We have hip-hop. We have spoken word. These classes are taught by some of Milwaukee's and Wisconsin's um, professional instructors. Okay, okay. And you men- mentioned uh, offering the classes free of charge. Correct. Uh, so it doesn't matter uh, what your background is in terms of um, income or where you're coming from. People right. are just able to attend those classes. You know, in the next segment, we're going to hear about how some of the biggest challenges facing children in urban Milwaukee, what those are, and, and how Above the Clouds, what they're doing to help. So we'll be back in a moment to learn more. Welcome back to EIG Community Connection. I'm your host, Jill Economo, and I'm talking with Linda Wade from Above the Clouds. We understand that there are some real challenges facing kids in the Milwaukee area, not the least of which is crime. Apparently, the Milwaukee crime rate has increased by 8% over last year and is currently ranked number 7 of the most dangerous cities with a violent crime rate of 1,364 violent crimes per 100,000 people. And in 2016, the officer-to-population ratio was 1 to 318. Wow, that's that's pretty scary statistic. Does that speak to the biggest challenges facing kids in Milwaukee? And how is Above the Clouds helping to transform this problem, Linda? It does speak to the challenges because we get children that um, are affected by crime daily, whether they have a a direct family member that has been um, in a violent act, whether they were um, the recipient or actually doing. We have families that um, have family members on drugs and alcohol. We have grandparents that had to take the child because the parents cannot um, train or raise a child. And so our children are daily constantly, you know, being affected by the crime rate in the state. And so that's why we purposely um, have our, our arts education is a Christian arts education program, because we want them to let them know that, you know what, regardless of what you see out in the street or what's affecting you out there, we're here not only to provide the art education component for them, but we pray with them. We encourage them. We let them know that we're here to help. And if there's an area of need that we can't do, our partners are, we have some some really wonderful partners that we can direct the families, whether they need food, clothing, whether they need tutoring or mentoring, we have some wonderful partners that can help us with that. But the crime rate in the city of Milwaukee has affected more families than you know. I mean, it's not just African-American families as well. It's families that are coming from middle-class families with the drugs. Um, um, Grafton has a huge heroin problem. Um, I know Milwaukee has a crack cocaine. And so our families are dealing with this as best as way that they can. And, and that brings a lot of pressure and a lot of stress to the families. And so there's some abuse in the families. And so we're here to say, you know, our teachers are trained not only to teach them the art, but to pick up on different signs. You know, sometimes a child will come into the class and they might not want to do the class or they'll have an attitude or they want to start picking a fight with another child, not because they don't want to be there, but the stress of what's going on in their families. We had families that are displaced, so they go from one side of town to another side. So we might see them at one site, but then we turn around there at another site, and that's because they're moving from place to place, trying to get a stable place, 
we work with uh, Joy House, the rescue mission sure. for women yeah. and children. Mm -hmm. um, and we go to their site because they are on a time restraint. So we provide classes at their location. And we do not only classes for the children, we do classes for the adults too. We do the salsa aerobics because we know it's a stress reliever. Sure. You know, yeah. and so we want to provide these things for them so that way, and all of our classes are free. So then that way they can have a place where they can say, you know what, for the next hour, I can just you know, be an actor, I can be a dancer, I can be a musician, you know, I can dream, I can do what I really want to do without worrying about, are we going to have food? Are we going to have a place to stay? Yeah. So, so you'd mentioned facilities. So you're not only in Milwaukee, you go out to the suburbs or you mainly are your, uh, where you have your classes? Our classes in are in the city of Milwaukee currently. We have offers throughout Wisconsin, but currently we have eight sites throughout the city of Milwaukee. Wow. Um, and eight different looking, sites. Yeah, we have okay. 31 sites on the waiting list. Wow. That are waiting for us to provide our programming at their location. Plus, we're our MPS um, partners, too. So the need is there and it's growing. It's depending on how we can get to reach more children. And I hate to turn around children. Sure, sure. So my question would be funding then. How, how does that work? Well, we get funded for some of the some of Milwaukee's and Wisconsin's top funders, that, like the uh, Bader Philanthropies, the Bradleys, the Caztec. But we are also looking for individual and corporate fundings. We can't grow any larger than our revenue is. And so the more revenue that we get in, the more classes we can offer. Currently, we have children that wanted to take. Our biggest, biggest classes are the classical ballet. We have 140 currently in that class alone. Wow. And okay. they go from beginning to point. But we have children waiting to get in that can't get in. Hmm. Isn't that something? That's, a, again, a good, a good situation it is. In, right? It is. Yeah, it just, just tells you it what It makes the it difficult is. because, you, you know, you don't want to turn a child away and say, you know, I'm sorry, but because we're first come, first serve, mm -hmm. but you can only take so many. Yeah. Wow. Well, you have a lot of wonderful things going on and, and uh, a need for, for funding. And, you know, we've, we've got listeners that might, this might resonate with them. Yes. So uh, if a listener is saying, how can I get involved with Above the Clouds? What, how would you answer that? I would direct them to our website at AboveTheCloudsMilwaukee.com. There they would see a lot of information about our programming, our board, our instructors, our sites, and how to donate, where to volunteer at. And then they'll also see different events that are coming up as well. Okay. So um, tell us a little bit about the events, some of the cool things that you guys have going on. We have our spring recital, which is our free recital, which is going to be Friday, May 25th. And we hold it at Destiny Youth Plaza. Every year, so we provide the outfits for the students to perform at the recital. The parents, our funders, community come. Over 800 people normally attend that recital alone. Wow. So and this where year, is that again? At Destiny Youth Plaza and on 76 in Good Hope. Okay, okay. Yeah, um, this year we did ask them for 1,000 seating because we have over 220 children participating in the recital. And then in September, we have what's called a Night of Elegance. It's uh, one of our major fundraisers. Um, Former Green Bay Packer Leroy Butler oh, will yes. be our guest Roy. speaker in Oxnard. Yes, yes. And so we're excited about that. That's going to be held at the Domes nice. here in Milwaukee. And then, of course, we have our summer uh, programs, that will, which will run June through August. And then if somebody wants to sign up for those, they do that on your website? They can do that. They can contact us on the website or they can call our office. And yeah. that number is 414-344-3019. One more time. 414 344 3019 or they can email me at above the clouds 
M-I-L-W at gmail.com. Very nice. Well, Linda, you do wonderful things out in the community. Thank you so much for being here today. Uh, lots of great stuff going on in our community, and we would just want to make sure that our listeners are are aware of uh, all those things. I want to extend a big thank you to all my guests today, Deb Lukovich and PJ Deaver from Playworks Wisconsin, and you, Linda Wade from Above the Clouds. Thank, thank you. you for being here. We've shed some light on some challenges that kids face in the Milwaukee area, but that's just part of the equation. Solutions are the other part of the equation and sharing of resources that are available to help offer solutions and make our community a better place is one of the reasons why we do this show. I hope you found the information interesting and informative today and hopefully you found some ways that you can help out and make a difference. If you'd like more information about the people or the organizations we talked with today, please feel free to email me at jill at ellenbecker.com or you can call our office at 262 691-3200. Also, I encourage you to tune in to our Money Sense radio show on Saturdays and Sundays, or visit our website at ellenbecker.com for our podcasts from both radio shows. You can also find us on the iHeartRadio app and also on various Amazon devices. Join us again in two weeks to hear other inspiring stories of how awesome people are making an awesome difference in our community. Remember, be a blessing and give a blessing. Have a wonderful Saturday night.